Good morning. Welcome to Bethel. You guys can have a seat. So glad that you're here today. So glad that I'm here today. I've been gone for a few weeks and a couple of you guys have asked me, so did you got, did you do really take it granted for your time at home and get a lot done? And um, I've been watching the Hallmark, Hallmark Channel and I've been seeing all like all the Christmas specials. And, and then unfortunately I started watching Hoarders. And so now I really just want to tell you guys, I just really want you to all fall in love and then go clean out your closets. Please clean out your closets, okay, um, to avoid any catastrophes. Okay, so um, don't make me call hoarder show on you is what I'm saying. Okay, um, but I'll be there to help maybe. Okay, so I have to give a shout out to the tech team that online team, the camera, I don't know exactly what they're called. But while you're sitting at home, sometimes when you're stuck at home, and I know we have some friends watching at home today as well, it's so nice to be able to join you guys. Even though it's so much better to be here in person, it's such a blessing to be able to tune in. And so I just wanted to give a shout out and say thank you to you guys out there. Yes, yes, because they do such an excellent job making that possible. And um, whether you're joining us online today um, and you're visiting with us or you're here in person and you're visiting, we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to go to mybethel.cc connect. And there's information there or there's information on the seat back in front of you um, to fill out text or QR code. We just want to get to know you guys better and see how we can better serve you. Um, we're in a series right now called Manger to Eternity, and last week we talked about how God is good, and today we're going to be talking about how he is love, and I came back and everything's all Christmassy and beautiful and get you in the holiday spirit, but we all know that the bottom line is Jesus, right, and that Jesus is good and Jesus is love, so let's um, dig into that today. Let's get going. Good morning, Bethel. You guys doing all right? Staying warm? Some of you, no, some of them are not, not convinced. Some of you are going to have to snuggle up this morning, all right? So if you have your significant other here with you, snuggle up. That's all right. If the person's next to you, you don't know them, do not snuggle up. All right? We don't want them to be so awkward that they don't want to come back, all right? If you're online, you're already snuggling up with your PJ, so awesome. So good to be here this morning. We are in week two of our series, and we're going to be talking about God is good. We're also going to be uh, celebrating together communion, Lord's Supper, and so we want to make sure that we uh, spend some time on that as we get towards the end of the year. Um, this series is all about looking at Jesus uh, throughout history because sometimes we tend to see Jesus as this baby in a manger, like uh, this little baby, that that's the first time that he existed, but actually Jesus has existed for eternity. From the very first words in Scripture where we see in the beginning God created, Jesus was present 
presence. He, present. He was the word of God in creation. Uh, so that word, word, is the active part of God. But we're, we're highlighting this series specifically when Jesus was born uh, fully man, and he grew up, and then he died on the cross, and then he became the God-man in the presence of the Father. We'll see that next week. Today we're going to focus specifically on the middle part of the story, uh, which is his death. We're going to specifically talk about that. But I want to start way, way back because Jesus himself, as we consider him, he has claims about his life that no one else has claimed. Man, babies are awesome. You can leave babies crying. It's okay. It's not going to bother us. Are you bothered by that, anybody? Better not be. I'm going to point you out if, I'm bo- if you're bothered by that, all right? The blessing of God is in babies being born, and we're so grateful for all our Bethel babies. Uh, so awesome. Keep on crying. Future, future preacher right there. There you go. All right. <laughs> Center of attention. That's the way it goes, right? Um, but we are looking at Jesus, and we see his life. A lot of us want to um, try to figure out who he is and then have a little capsule that we can follow around in our pocket and pull out what we want to, but, but Jesus in the eternal, is an eternal being that you can never fully comprehend. Um, he came in human form in order to identify with us, but Jesus is far greater than just the baby in a manger, the, the Savior on the cross, and the risen Savior. He is actually the creator, and so no matter where you're at in the understanding of who Jesus is, he's inviting you into the story. He's inviting you into his story, and you happen to be alive because God chose you to be alive today at this moment. You happen to be here today because in the story of eternity, this is a big part of your story as well, and he is inviting you into the process. He doesn't want us to simply react through life He wants us to actually understand and engage our brains along the way. Uh, A lot of people come to church and they check their brains at the door, but that's not what God is inviting you to do. God is inviting you to actually activate your brain and think through this person, this man we call Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. We're in the middle of this epic story. It has to do with a battle, but it also has to do with victory, where Jesus came to conquer death, hell, and the grave. And Scripture tells us that he was successful in that uh, mission. Um, And he's actually inviting us in, Bethel is our church, he's inviting us in to play a part in the journey of of sharing the good news with with the world around us. And he's asking us to actually ask questions. I want us to start, like we did last week, specifically in the book of Psalm. And we're actually working through the book of Psalm. Uh, last week we did the first six verses. This week we're going to do the next, six, uh, next five verses. And then the fall, next week we're going to actually finish up the book of Psalm 103. But he's talking specifically about his character. And as we consider Jesus, Jesus being good last week, this week I want to talk about him being love. And his love was ultimately expressed through his death. Here in Psalm 103... We see the psalmist here writing specifically about God being revealed to mankind. Verse 7 says this, He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Let's pray as we jump in this morning. God, this morning it is awesome to consider that you would even think about us. We find in scripture and we actually see through studying our universe that we're nothing but dust. And yet you 
look on us with favor and love and mercy. We find in your word that you even sent your own son to connect with us. Your own son laid down his life in an ultimate show of affection and love to you for us. Jesus, let us not minimize nor overlook your sacrifice today as we examine your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the psalmist is actually telling us and showing us the character of God, and he revealed himself, it says specifically here, to Moses. What I, what I like about this little section is it teaches us a lot of who God is. Uh, God is active. A lot of people think that God is distant and God is far away, but actually God is active in his creation. He is very personable in his creation. He sees the big picture, and yet he's very patient with us as individuals for us to actually accommodate and get where we need to, to be. He's compassionate and merciful. These are both attributes of God, and there's degrees of understanding as he overlooks our faults. We deserve everything that would come our way, and yet God in his mercy and his grace and his, his compassion overlooks that. It says he's slow to anger. He's not in a hurry to judge us. He's not in a hurry to get angry with us. His unfailing love is never ending, never failing. It can always be counted on. He is not a big old grumpy man in the sky waiting for us to make mistakes. He is all, he's not always angry with us. He is full of grace. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish scriptures, the word grace does not appear, but the word mercy appears because he could have taken us out any, at any time, and yet his mercy and, and long-suffering long love was waiting for the day that his son would actually arrive on the scene to connect us back with the Father. The story of God starts way before what we see in Scripture, but in Scripture we specifically see a story of a chosen people called the Israelites, and the chosen people were supposed to announce God, the Creator, to the world. Well, they found themselves over a period of time as slaves in Egypt. Scripture says they were there for 400 years as slaves in Egypt. Um, you can look over in the Egypt uh, world today and see some remnants of that time that the, the Jewish people were there. But they were captives in a land that was far from home. And God actually rescued them and showed, them the, and showed the world that he would do anything and go as far as he needed to to rescue his people. As they were being rescued, God established what we know now as the Passover meal or the, the, the Passover supper. This Passover required a blood sacrifice of a lamb that was perfect and had no imperfections. The Passover lamb would be nurtured and cared for, made sure that it had no blemish, no mistake. And then this lamb would be sacrificed in order to, uh, for a purpose. And we're going to read that here in Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12, it says this, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. In Scripture, a lot of people get offended about the carnage that is found. The, a lot of people get offended about the blood that is found. We find in the New Testament in, in Hebrews that without the, the shedding of blood, there is no remission or no taking away of sin. And so this is the, the thing that God established in order to redeem mankind. And there's a picture of it here in, in Exodus, and it says right here, to slaughter the Passover animal, drain the blood into a basin, then take the bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood and brush the hyssop, hyssop across the top and the sides of the door door frames of your houses and no one may go out through the door until morning for the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians but when he sees the blood 
on the top and the sides of the door frame. The Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and to strike you down. God made his way, or sorry, made a way to pass over his chosen people so that they would not be counted among the guilty, the Egyptians. And you may not like this story because the Old Testament is full of these gruesome details like this, and yet it paints a picture of the holiness of God and the, the otherness of God and how God can establish his own boundaries, God can establish his own system. In this particular system, he used as a judgment over the enemies of his people. And he continually provided for these people, even as they disobeyed him and walked away from him, over and over and over again, he would provide a way out, a rescue to his people. 1,500 years later, after this incident that happened in Egypt, we find a little baby boy that was born in a manger that was predicted to be born in the town of Bethlehem. This John the Baptist soon would call, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you note in Scripture, God reveals the message to humanity about, the, the, the Scripture is all about Jesus. You can read from the beginning to the end, and it's all about the way God is connecting with humankind. And Jesus fulfilled more prophecies in his life and his death than any other person in history. And Scripture was written as God's redemption plan for all of humanity. So it makes sense that the whole book would be about Jesus. You can find Jesus' trace throughout all of Scripture as the day arrives where he comes to rescue his people. And you, you kind of wonder, what does this have to do with love and what does this have to do with manger to eternity? Well, this plan of God's was written in eternity before the creation of the world, where God himself would become man and redeem creation, the very creation that he had created. And Jesus, when he was on the scene, he said some radical things. If you think this story in, in Exodus is insane. Just, just put yourself in the family situation as they were listening and hearing, to, hearing Moses to get a lamb, a perfect lamb, to care for it, to nurture it, and then to take that very lamb and to slaughter it and take the blood and put it over the post. Just, just put yourself in that situation and put yourself in the situation the night that the death angel came and passed over the house because they saw the blood on the door. How terrifying would this be? And if you're honest, and if you do a self-evaluation, someday, Scripture says, we're going to stand before Almighty God. And many of us are going to stand before God, and there's going to be this moment of wonder. I wonder if God's going to let me by. I wonder if God's going to let me in to eternity. I wonder if I've done enough to appease God. I wonder if I've sacrificed enough in my life to appease God. And I want to tell you the good news of Jesus is that the good news of Jesus is placing your trust in him. He has paid everything. And you can stand before the Father confidently because he loves you. He didn't just make you stumble in the dark and try to find your way. He sent his son to meet you and to redeem you and to bring you into the presence of the Father through his death. In John chapter 10, Jesus himself uh, says this. He says, the Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay, down, lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. 
And so throughout the Old Testament or Jewish scriptures, we see that God is planning just the right time to send his son into the world, that he's working out exactly the right time in history for him to come. And sometimes someone, uh, sometimes we have to be in a moment of hopelessness before we can accept help, and that's exactly where the people of Israel found themselves. They were released from Egypt, and then they find themselves under Roman rule. And they were begging that God would send a victorious conqueror to overthrow the Roman nation. And Jesus, he didn't come as a conqueror. He came as a baby in a manger. Romans 5, verse 6 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us. Verse 8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's eyes by the blood of Christ, we will certainly, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And the most famous verse that you learn if you grew up in church, John 3.16, it says this, for, God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but that, to save the world through him. Scripture says that this symbol in Exodus about the lamb, the Passover lamb, was a future foreshadow of what was to come in Jesus Christ himself. You know that from that moment on, every year as they celebrated Passover, every year they would sacrifice a lamb and they would do the same ritual waiting for the coming Messiah, the Lamb of God. It was foretold in Isaiah that this lamb would be crushed. Jesus actually is the Passover lamb that frees us from the bondage of sin. His blood was shed to cover our lives, our imperfections, and eternal death will pass over our lives when God sees the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. John chapter 20. It relates some of the events of Jesus' death on the cross. And if you study the crucifixion, you will see a brutal, brutal death. Think about this. God could have come any time, and he chose that time in history to come and to be put on a tree. Verse 28, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been nailed to the cross between two thieves. And Scripture says this, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they took a sponge, they put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. It says that he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. You say, Ray, this is normally an Easter story. What in the world at Christmas are you talking about the death of Jesus? What in the world? Because it's so important to remember that Jesus, yes, he came in the manger, and yet he became a man, and he died for you and I on the cross as the perfect son of God, the lamb in our place. And it's important to realize that he said, it is finished, because everything to appease God's wrath over humanity was finished in Jesus. 
And yet there's so many of us that wander through life and so many of us that are struggling through life trying to find a way to appease the Father, appease God, and we're trying to fill ourselves with all sorts of activities, trying to figure out how we can make God happy with us. And he says right here, it is finished. There's nothing left to be done. It's simply to follow him. It's simply to pattern your life after his. Verse 31, it says this, it was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging over, the, over there the next day, which was the Sabbath. Note this in parentheses, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. Isn't that interesting? The Jesus, the Lamb of God, at the perfect time, gave his life to be sacrificed on Passover, the ultimate Passover of all Passovers, to take over and to take our place. Jesus is the exact fulfillment of the plan of God to cover your sins and my sins. You know that Jesus loves me? He did what I could never do. He is the only one, the one and only sacrifice, the Lamb of God. John 1.29, John the Baptist said it best. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, so here's my question this morning. Do you, still, do you still live in condemnation or do you live in love? Are you chasing some value in something other than Jesus? Or have you realized that your value and your worth was settled with Jesus on the cross? That, that everything that needed to be paid was paid and now the rest of our life is to pursue and to discover who Jesus is, to find him, to follow him. Are you still looking for love? I want to echo what John said. I want you to look that Jesus loves you. I want you to look that Jesus is no longer a defenseless baby in a manger. I want you to look that this baby has grown into a man and to look that Jesus has stepped into your place, into your mess, and he has taken every burden that you could ever experience, every sin, every, every evil that you could ever experience, and he's placed it upon his shoulders. Jesus has actually taken your sins. I want you to look and see that Jesus is for you. I want you to look and see that Jesus is love, and I want you to look and see that your value and worth has been settled. How do we know Jesus loves us? Well, Scripture says that he went voluntarily, and he stretched out his arms on a cross, and he says, come to me. Anyone who would come to me, my burdens are light. And so Jesus, on this day, this Passover day, 2,000 years ago, stretched his arms out for you and me to prove his love. He himself said that the ultimate expression of love is when you lay your life down for your friends. And Jesus told his disciples, those that followed him, I'm not going to call you slaves anymore, I'm going to call you my friends because I've laid my life down for you. We're going to move into a moment of celebration of the Lord's Supper for communion. And our band is going to come out, and they're going to lead us in some music after we're finished. But I want to, I want to explain what's going on here and, and invite you to join your families, your friends. Um, there's room for a few people at the table. Um, and there's five tables around the auditorium. If you're watching online and you have elements with you, it could be any elements. You could celebrate with us as well. Uh, but this is a reflection of that moment when God came to Egypt, and he told Moses, hey, tell the people to get a lamb, Put the blood over the doorposts, 
and then we're going to escape from Egypt because of the release of the Father. And we're supposed to celebrate this. Jesus said, this is now a new supper, celebrating my blood, celebrating my body that was broken for you. And so as we do this, as we celebrate this, we're remembering what he did for us, and we're announcing to the world, Jesus is the Lamb. Look, Jesus is the Lamb, and he took away all our sins. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Ruben, if you wouldn't mind taking the, the cloths off each table. As you see a table available, just grab your loved ones. Could be friends, could be neighbors, could be just the two of you or just a single person. Just get up and go to a station. There's five, two in the back, three in the front. And just spend some time reflecting on what Jesus did for you. These uh, packages, you peel off the top and there's a wafer and then you peel off again and there's, a, there's the juice. As a family, there's something amazing as we come together and remember what Jesus did for us. As a family, it's amazing to say, look, Jesus did it all. It is finished. It's amazing as a family to reflect and say, you know what, this, this year maybe has been rough or this season has been rough in my life, and yet I can come to Jesus and he will always say yes because I can come to him. God, this morning it is... Um, incredible that we have an opportunity to stand in your presence. It's incredible that we have an opportunity as a family to gather. And God, it's incredible that we have an opportunity as a church to proclaim that Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus is the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb to fulfill God's requirement to know Him. And now when God looks at me, and he sees the blood applied to my life, he sees a son and a daughter. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to the Father and coming and giving your life in my place. Now as we celebrate as a, a church your supper, as we celebrate your body and your blood broken for us, may we never take it for granted. May we never forget that day when you said it is finished. Jesus, we love you. Before we wrap up and before we move on, I just want to give you an opportunity there in your seat to reflect. If there's something that's going on in your heart that you need to deal with, why don't you deal with it right now? Is there someone you need to forgive? Why don't you forgive them right now? Is there something you need to take care of with God? Go ahead and take care of it right now. If you have never given your life to Jesus, he's simply a yes away. Romans says that anyone that would call out to his name, he would receive. And so maybe you've been playing around and you've never actually given your life to Jesus. Maybe today's the day. You guys can have a seat. Wow, that was a great finish. That was, good. Yeah, that was, good. was great. Um, I think this, this, this idea, this word of love, I think our humanity and our language kind of gets in the way for us fully being able to comprehend it because um, we misuse the word. Yeah. I can say, oh, I love Hallmark movies, or I love chocolate. And it's like we throw that word love out there, and we don't truly, can't truly comprehend when, when God says, 
I love you so much. I'm right. going to send my son. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, that's a different thing. And, and I yeah. and I don't think that we can ever on this earth truly comprehend it. Yeah. But this love is so much bigger than the word that we throw around. And it's easy to love something that you like and love something that that's happy. But God is like talking about difficulty. Like, I love you so much and you're big mess. Like oh, I'm drawn to enemies. you because of my, yeah. I love, and it's it's not a not always a beautiful thing, right. and to me that is just it. Honestly, it's incomprehensible, and just to think about His love being so great for me yeah. is is so amazing and such a, an amazing reminder. Yeah, I think as much as we experience love uh, in our humanity with one another with. Um, whatever it is, you know, life, we're definitely not even going to feel, even exper experience right. a little bit of it. Uh, the cool thing, eventually we'll see God face to face right. and be able to understand the fullness of his love and the fullness of time. Uh, amazing thing. It's good to have you back on, on stage with me. It's been Thanks. lonely without you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe when we get to heaven in perfection, everyone will have scars on their nose. Maybe that's what perfect is. I don't think you're going to notice it eventually, oh, okay. you know? Okay. All right. I don't know. You just have a blob there for now. Yeah. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. So it's good to have you back. I missed you. Here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Very good. Have a great have week, guys. Take care.